of students, and welcome back to the Lore of the Iron Kingdoms with me, Professor Caster. Today we'll be discussing all of the Circle of Oberos Light War Beast. And when we say light, we mean they are not 10 tons, they are not 10 feet tall, they're usually in the forms of dogs and griffins. Well, depends on the griffin. Alrighty, well, let's begin. First creature we're going to be talking about is the Argus Moonhound, Circle Light War Beast. Prowling the nighttime shadows, the Argus Moonhound stalks the wilds of Western Amoran to hunt down the enemies of the Circle Obros no matter where they hide. Moonhounds can detect the very faintest sense of prey. Even supernatural methods of concealment cannot thwart their supplurative senses. Across canes, moonhounds flush out those who seek to escape the circle, calling to their masters with the chorus of low bane. Victims who try to flee are relentlessly run down by these savage hounds' powerful jaws. The Argus Moonhound is a product of the Blackclad's meticulous stewardship of the wild Argus packs. The beast handlers of the circle perceive these some nocturnal breeds of Argus vastly outstripped others as trackers. In work spanning generations, the Blacklads cultivated these breeds, allowing desired traits to flourish. In time, the Moonhound came to rely less on sight and more on its other, keener senses. Each night, packs of Moonhounds emerge from their dens to greet the moon's Calder, Artis, and Laris. The songs of these ferocious beasts echo over the wilds at dusk, signaling the onset of the pack's nightly hunts. Moonhounds are deeply attuned to the moons of Cain, and their behavior alerts with the varying phases of each moon. During the light of the full moons, they often lash out, wild, and attack relentlessly. But when the moons are new, they are patient and silent stalkers. Druids who rely on moonhounds have learned to anticipate these cycles and adjust their strategies accordingly. Teams of moonhounds often accompany circle forces delving in into dense terrain where thick undergrowth and massive trees can hinder vision, such as the Gnarls or the Ulgenholt. Unable to rely on their own eyes, the Blackclads know they can trust the natural abilities of their loyal Argus. Alrighty, fun fact for anybody who's never seen an Argus, they are a double-headed dog, which are terrifying in their own sense, especially since in the War Machine universe or Iron Kingdoms, there are normal dogs, so these guys are just a peculiar menace to everybody in the woods, actually. Fun fact about these guys is they also have circular vision because since they have two heads, two heads are better than one, and they can look at every angle. They can also mark their targets as well, at least this version of them which makes them a lot easier to have near your enemies so you can shoot the enemies easier. Also, they have the ability to hunt down guys that are trying to be stealth in the model and mark their location for their particular warcaster so they can hunt them down, which is terrifying. I've gone up against many different types of Argus in my time in the field and each one of them is annoying in their abilities to just jack up my people on the field. Just awful all around. All right, let's move on. Moving on to the Gorax Rager, Circle Light War Beast. Falling somewhere between beast and man, Gorax are hulking primitives with broad and massively muscular torsos that boast extremely long arms ending in oversized claws. Their jaws protrude from ugly faces and filled with hardened fangs designed to tear the flesh and sinew from the form, the bulk of their carnivorous diets. Few creatures better embody the primal and uncontrollable wrath of the war beast than Gorak Rangers. But 
Even these terrible attributes pale in the face of their terrifying reactions to pain. Rather than slowing them down, injuries can drive them to lash out with ever-increasing savagery and strength. For centuries, Goroks have been captured, enslaved, and trained for battle. Warlords of a thousand cities era used them as the frontline shock troops, throwing them into frenzied melee by the hundreds. Once the creature's bloodlust became too great to control, they were simply killed. The Goraks appreciate the taste of human flesh, and some prefer it above all other foods. Their tendency to attack friend and foe alike quickly diminished their use in the wars of humanity. But the druids have again pulled them from their wilderness lairs to terrorize western Amoran. Despite the fearsome appearance, Goraks are smarter than they appear. They have a guttural approximation of speech and can learn to follow instructions. They are conditioned to accept training and do not require armaments to fight effectively. The circle taps into the primal chaos seething deep in the maddened minds of the Goraks ragers and spread the raw strength like a fever among other war beasts, transforming untapped aggression into bestial destruction. I've actually gone up against Goraks a bunch of times. These guys, a lot of warlocks love having these guys around, mostly because of their ability to rage up already ginormous war beasts, such as, say, a warp wolf, to even more dangerous levels of strength, and gets them into a fit that just, you know, tears things through like they're a gargantuan. They are phenomenal in that sense. Also, as a last resort war beast, because they actually do, they actually are a war beast, they're actually really good with their pain response to actually just keep fighting and getting up to higher and higher degrees of destruction the more injured they are. A pretty solid, well, kind of utility war beast, if you get my meaning. Moving on to the Razorwing Griffin, Circle Light War Beast. Razorwing Griffins plunge into battle with a piercing shriek of birds of prey, diving into the enemy formations to carry out brutal assaults. Flying just a few feet above the ground, they move like a thresher across the crop of wheat. Razorwings use their sharp edge blades to slash through ranks and infantry, leaving the bloody trail of dead and dying to mark their passage. The master beast handlers of the Circle Obro spend years training these griffins before ever arming them with blades. Griffins are naturally intractable creatures, and druids who train them must process the forbearance of falconers and the grit of warriors. More than the few trainers bear the scars of quarrels with their beasts. Once the handler is certain the griffin's training, he arms the light war beast with the resilient metal blade on its lead feathers and gauntlets over its natural claws. The final lessons are difficult as the trainer must fight the griffin's deeply ingrained hunting instincts. The griffin naturally wants to dive upon its prey and lift it aloft, not to sweep low on the ground scything with their wings before ascending and beginning a new attack. As part of their training, razor wings come to expect the freshly killed reward after each battle. The more foes they cut down, the better they will feed from the hands of their master. Well, that's kind of terrifying. A creature that can mow down entire units just by flying past them with the blades on its wings and on its hands. It looks here, apparently, it also uses them with trample attacks as well, and a trample model that also flies is always terrifying and crazy faster than you think they're going to be. I have luckily gone up against very few griffins in my time. I think most of the warlocks I've ever had to encounter usually don't use too many griffins for whatever reason. 
Maybe I'm just lucky, I guess. Alright, moving on. Rotterhorn Griffin. Circle Light Warbeast. Swooping down from the rocky peaks of the mountains from which it takes its name, the elusive Rotterhorn Griffin unleashes its shrieks as deadly as its talons. This piercing cry can be heard for miles, echoing across the parched earth and surrounding the breeding tower's home mountains. The strike itself comes suddenly as the beast screams down from the desert sky to leave the prey stunned and bloodied. The griffin then shreds its helpless victims with hooked talons and lifts bloody carcasses back to its remote roost to consume. These griffins make their nests in the crags and crevices of the Rotterhorn, a massive mountain that looms over the landscape of the Bloodstone Marches. In these stony upper reaches, Rotterhorn griffins have little to fear as few creatures can manage to endure the climb to their domains, and any intruders are summarily grabbed by powerful talons, hoisted aloft, and tossed into thin air to plummet to their death. Broken and gnawed carcasses lift er, the slopes of the Rotterhorn, testament to the dangers that lie hidden near its peaks. Despite such challenges, the druids of the Circle Obros have long observed and exploited the Rotterhorn griffins to their own ends choosing especially aggressive specimens for use as war beasts. Like all griffins, the Rotterhorn breeds are temperamental. Angering a griffin during training usually drives it to loose to deafening shrieks, and the druids must take great pains to teach these creatures to withhold their lethal screams until they enter battle. Once engaged with the enemy, the griffin is allowed to fully express its rage, and its slashing talons leave bodies bloodied trail of men and beasts alike. Yeah, I'm lucky enough never have to gone up against one of these guys either. Again, I don't have to go up against griffins all that much, and I'm glad that I do not. Because when creatures have a voice that causes damage, ear bleeding, brain hemorrhaging, whatever, that's kind of awful and terrifying. They don't even have to touch you. They just have to scream near you. It's gross. And then they're fast as well, so they can get into you real, real freaking quick. All right, let's move on. Moving on to the Scarfell's Griffin. Griffins are predators that combine the sinewy grace of great hunting cats with the innate ferocity of birds of prey. In ancient times, griffins were driven almost to extinction, becoming so scarce that mankind came to believe them as purely creatures of myth. In truth, the survivors had drifted to the edges of known maps, away from civilization but still within the reach of beastmasters of the Circle Obros. Druids have long tended fledglings and picked out those best suited for their deeds, the creatures snapping beaks and powerful talons, to say nothing of their vicious temperament, make them dangerous combatants. One particular breed of these perilous hunters live in the Scarfell Forest of Kodor, a region of untamed wilderness that shelters elusive species of all kinds. These Scarfell griffins take solitary roosts among the cliffs and foothills bordering the dark forest. Known for their stealthy tactics, they dive from great heights to surprise even well-camouflaged creatures hiding on the forest floor. Often the target become aware of its doom only when the talons close up upon it and the griffin releases a shriek of victory. Scarfell griffins lift oak and other prey aloft to be eaten among the crags or in great nests atop ancient trees, leaving little signs on the ground of their passing. So, a griffin, who is stealth, as well as has the ability to stretch out way farther from its controlling warlock and has the ability to track prey through forests without even being hindered by it. 
And then it can fly on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, another great, great, dangerous Circle War Beast. Awesome. Alright, let's move on. Wild Argus. Circle Light War Beast. These huge and ferocious two-handed canines are beasts of thick muscle, solid bone, and sharp teeth. The druids have spent centuries taming, breeding, and training them for battle and protection. Argus bred by the Circle are far larger and more vicious than such animals tamed by Northern Kodor. They pack a surprising punch for their size, but it's the power of their paralyzing bark that the Circle Warlocks most value. The acoustic assault can render even the mightiest enemies powerless, allowing the druids to strike when and where they choose. Argus are virtually impossible to surprise. They constantly scan their surroundings and are sensitive to the slightest movement. Warlocks will rely upon these fast reflexes of their Argus, which stand ready to spring instead on any who harm their pack. This instinct is irrepressible, and the deep bonding that occurs between the pup and the druid ensures that the Argus will never hesitate to sacrifice its life to protect its master. Famed for their endurance, Argus can run at great speeds over long distances. These combinations of stamina and almost supernatural keen senses make them ideal hunters, and the druids use them to track prey, two-footed or otherwise. Argus are surprisingly intelligent, and druids with enough expertise and patience can train theirs to understand complex orders. In addition to the snapping jaws of their two vicious heads, Argus can use a sonic attack to disorient and daze their enemies. In the wild, the beast hunt in packs, with one Argus paralyzing its target with its bark, and the others leap in for the kill. I've actually gone up against these particular Argus multiple times, and I tell you what, every time my troops are near, and one of these things does its little Doppler effect or whatever with that bark, they freeze up on the spot. Not sure why, but everything just stops. Their mind stops, their actions stop. Anything with a heartbeat, or had a heartbeat because it works on Undead weirdly enough, they just freeze up, and it is very dramatic when that happens. So, unfortunately, I usually gun these things down as soon as I see them in the field, just as a precaution. Moving on to the Winter Argus. Circle Light Warbeast. Small caravans and lone hunting parties regularly vanish in the wilds of Kadoran North. Often the only signs left to mark their ends are scattered spots of blood-reddened snow and the paw prints of the savage Winter Argus. Few linger over such a scene lest their scent attracts the attention of these relentless predators. Prowling under cover of great northern storms, Winter Argus leap from the veil of snow and wind with the chilling howl. Great gouts of gelid breath freeze their victims in place until the Argus pack closes in for the feast. Frozen flesh shattered between their powerful jaws and even steel cracks once weakened by the cold of their breath. The winter Argus that stalked the dark, frozen hinterlands of the Scarsfell Forest and the Blackroot Woods display behaviors and hunting techniques similar to those wild wolves, harrying prey over deep snow where they will have the advantage of speed and through the tangled forests that cut off avenues of escape. Some druids of the Circle Oberos dislike this breed because it's difficult creating new pack bonds and rarely demonstrates the loyalty of the more southern breeds. Northern druids, however, prize its savagery and the supernatural cold it can manifest to cripple the enemies of their order. Alright, fun facts about these frost-bitten, double-headed wolves is they actually have the ability, it says here in the archives, 
but they have the ability to freeze people on the spot just by getting near them, much like Sorska of the Kadoran army. If you get near this guy and you, you know, stop near him, you have a chance of actually freezing to the spot unless you have some kind of immunity to cold magics, which very few people outside of Kodor do. Yeah, these things are a freezing cold just to be near. And not only that, they also have the ability to breathe frost onto people and cause them to freeze on the spot as well, which I don't think any other Argus have an attack like that. Like they have the Doppler bark, yeah, that freezes people. Well, it more, you know, stuns people, really. But the ability to freeze people with just your breath is kind of a scary prospect for a dog. Alrighty, class, that will do it for all the light or beasts of the Circle Obros. If you have any comments, questions, or any kind of cool interactions you want to add in to the comments, please feel free. I would love to see that. Also, please like, subscribe, comment, let me know how I'm doing. If you like me, if you don't like me, if you have anything that you want to see, let me know. Also, homework as always, please tell your friends and fellow gamers alike about this podcast slash YouTube channel now because we would love to increase the class size and get this thing even bigger than we already are. And thank you again to Privateer Press for letting us read their fantastic lore so we can all learn more about the Iron Kingdoms and be able to more enjoy the deeper aspects of this game both on tabletop and in the role-playing game as well. And as always, class dismissed.